Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for every day that you give us. Today is, is the only day that we get. Every day. It's called today. And that's all that we're guaranteed. And we thank you, Lord. Help us to spend all the grace that you give us for each day. And to stick close to you, Lord. To agree with you. And to walk in love and peace and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn over to Second Peter. Chapter one. Just gonna spend some time right there today. I think it'll bless us. We've been talking a lot about faith and hope and love and because God says that those are three main things, right? Now these remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So we've been talking about how they're so closely intertwined. They're all working together. Because hope being that thing that we direct our faith at, it gives our faith a target. So without that, there's nothing to really release our, our faith toward. We have to get our hopes up. Amen. I spend a lot of time telling people to get their hopes up because the world tells them just the opposite. Don't get your hopes up. They're scared they're going to be disappointed, you see. Well, I got news. We're never disappointed when we put our hope in God and the promises of God. I just want to read right there, starting at the first chapter of Second Peter. This is obviously written by the Holy Spirit, through Peter. He signs a, begins by saying, Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those, and this is to us, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing, or like precious faith, he calls it, but a faith of equal standing with ours. So he's, he's saying that we have the same faith, if we're saved. You understand? We've all been given the measure of faith. Now, some people operate in a stronger faith, a greater faith, you might call it, because it's been exercised. You might have two twin brothers, identical twins sitting next to each other. One, he works in an office somewhere, and never, never exercises more than to walk to and from his car twice a day. And then the other one is, uh, he's uh, some sort of a trainer somewhere or and a pro athlete. <clears throat> they have the same physical body initially, the same structure, the same build as it were, except one is a lot stronger, isn't he? 
by because of exercise, he has exercised those muscles and caused them to grow and be strengthened, right? And we've made that correlation many times. Now, it's the same in the spiritual realm. We can always find a natural example. And it's with, with all of the virtues of God, all of the fruit of the abiding fruit of the Spirit that, is, that comes with us when we are truly born again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things live inside of us, full-blown and full-grown in our born-again spirit, where we have the very mind of Christ. We think just like God. But we can't discern what's in our spirit with our natural mind, in our soulish realm, or with our physical body. Can't touch it, can't hear it, feel it. We have to discern it spiritually. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus told the woman at the well. So, moving on. He says in verse 2, May grace and peace... How many of you like grace and how many of you like peace? Be multiplied to you. You take that as you want more of it, stronger of it, more of it, better, right? Multiply, just, just a, a better portion. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it's saying that... He's, he's, he's only talking to the people that have obtained this like precious faith. So it's only born again believers, just like all of you here. So people of faith, people who have been given the necessary thing to, to walk in or to experience everything else that he's going to talk about. Because without that faith, you're not qualified and you're not going to participate. You're not going to be able because God has given us that faith. We are able. So we're the ones that Peter's talking to. And he says, through that faith, now grace and peace can be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Because, moving on to verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things. All things. Has granted. Past tense. It's on account. All things that pertain to life, that's this life, and godliness. So that's the natural life and the spiritual life, okay? And again, through the knowledge of Him who called to us His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted, again, past tense, to us His precious and very great promises. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. In other words, we don't have to ask. We find a promise in this book from God. Is that for me, God? Yes. Amen. <laughs> it's yours. So that through them, through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. So you can walk in the fullness of peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort, there's our part, to supplement, to add to your faith. It all starts with that faith, virtue. Remember we talked about everyone who has this hope in Christ purifies themselves. Remember what John said? So that's what he's talking about. Peter's saying the same thing with some different words. So add to your faith virtue. And to virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... All right, think of it again as that workout, growing, strengthening, because by way of practice or exercise, right? They keep you from being ineffective. He's talking about the kingdom here now. Remember, it's not all about us. It keeps us from being ineffective Christians, from being unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted That he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Someone who has forgotten that they were cleansed from their sins walks in what? If you're you're not forgiven, you're what? Condemned. And God is saying, I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to feel forgiven. I want you to know that you are blessed, that you are loved. And it's not based on... Your good deeds. I want you to do good because I want you to slam all those doors that you've opened for the devil to come into your life and hurt you and others around you. But I'm not basing my love for you on your behavior. It's on what Jesus did for you. And because you love him, because you accepted him, I give you everything that is on his account. Which is everything that's good. Amen. I want to, let's just, let's just talk about this for a second. I want to put it in some terms maybe that make a little more sense. It's always the same truth. Just come at it from a different angle sometimes. Amen? Try to make a dent, an impact. What does that mean? That means... We're looking for something. As we go to God again and again, we're looking for that revelation knowledge. We're trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because through that knowledge is how we walk in this divine nature, how we get strengthened in our Christian walk. So he's granted to us all these things that pertain to a life just like Jesus. The same godliness as Jesus. He's in us. And he wants to live through us. And God is saying there's nothing holding you back except this terrible lack of knowledge or lack of knowing me. It's the same thing that God rebuked over in Hosea. If I can find Hosea. 
It's just a few pages. But Hosea, it's after the major prophets. We go here. Just give me one second because it's worth it. The Lord just put this on my heart, but it says right here in Hosea, if you're looking for it, it's after Daniel. <laughs> after all the major prophets, he's the first of what they call the minor prophets, which there really are no minor prophets. Hosea 4, 6 is the familiar verse where he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Right? We hear that scripture sometimes. And it doesn't mean that, you know, hey, you shouldn't have dropped out of school because now you're not going to do well with God. No, it's not talking about that kind of knowledge. Nothing wrong with, with uh, being educated. But some people have educated themselves <clears throat> right out of a relationship with God because they're smarty pants. They think they know more than God now. <laughs> On the other hand, there are brilliant scientists and people who have received all the education you can who say that, uh, you know, all their education has only proven to them that there has to be a God, right? But even that's not good enough because you have to recognize Jesus as his son who died on the cross for your sins and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. But Hosea 4, 6, the Lord through Hosea was rebuking the people of Israel and if you'll go back to the beginning, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. So he was mad with, with his people. And now, if you're reading in this, and you just want to know the heart of God, you can always take Israel out of the way and put the church there now. If you really want to see how God thinks about things. Now, there's a lot of things that curses and so forth and things that Jesus has bore for us that we never have to again. If we have, if we walk in faith, that's why we're trying to learn some things about the promises that are for us and believe them and agree with them and get our hopes up and release our faith toward them and to receive them. Amen. But if you want to know, God has never changed the way he feels about things. In other words, he feels the same way about murder as he always did. Right. But is there forgiveness now for murder? Yeah. You know. You get what I'm saying. There's a difference in the Old and the New Covenants because we have Jesus. And when I read the Old Testament, I just shudder sometimes and go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because God is holy. God is holy. And he couldn't stand to have some of the things that we do and think in his presence, to be honest. If it weren't for Jesus making a way for us. And now his precious blood has covered that mercy seat. And when God looks down into that ark, he can't see the things in that ark that remind him of, of man's disobedience and man's rebellion against his, his given leaders and authority. All the things represented in that ark. If I get started on that, I'll preach for another hour or two in that direction. And I don't want to. I want to talk about this right now. But thank God. Thank Jesus. When God looks down now, he doesn't see the things that remind him of the rebellion of man because it's covered with the blood of Jesus. It's covered. When God created the Garden of Eden, 
when he created man, he placed, he made for him a garden, didn't he? And he placed man in the garden, didn't he? Garden of Eden. And now, so when Adam began to walk around, he didn't get hungry and then God say, oh, I need to create something to feed him. Did he? Or he went to take a breath. Oh, I need to provide, I need to create some oxygen for him to breathe. My point sounds silly, but my, what, I'm, what I'm saying is he, cre- he anticipated every need before there was a need of mankind. And he created all the provision for every need. And then he placed them in there. Paradise. Now, we know what happened. They, he, he told them they could eat of all the trees of the garden, except for the tree in the midst of the garden, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? That knowledge thing. But they did anyway, because they believed the devil's lie, right? We're not going to say which one. That was cursed with pains of childbirth. (laughs) We can make a lot of jokes about that. They were together. They were in on it together. Amen. But they got removed from the garden. He ran them off. Why? As punishment for their sin. But why really? What did he say? I'll give you a better clue. What did he say? What were the angels' instruction? Those cherubim placed at that eastern entrance that led toward the garden is how the Bible phrases it, I believe. You think of cherubim, you think of the fat little Valentine L uh, angels, that little babies that shoot the love arrows. Not so. Cherubim are mighty, warring angels, very capable of doing any battle that God needs taken care of. Why were they placed there? Keep them out. That's right. Keep them from coming back in because God didn't want them to eat or they did go have to work the ground from which they came and the sweat of their brow and all that, but but it's really not not the reason that those angels were there. Here we go. Then the Lord God said. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Who's God talking to? Himself, right? 
That's right. What George said, he's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Great mystery of God. One, yet three distinct beings. Amen? He said, they become like us. Knowing good and evil. God never intended us for us to know evil. There was no need for it. They should have trusted God. Amen? They were in paradise. Anything that was concealed from them was for their own good. Now, he said, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. They had sinned against God. The seed of mankind, the spirit of mankind had become corrupt. That's why everyone born of Adam ever since the Garden of Eden is born with the sin nature. The very nature of Satan himself. Corrupted. Fallen. No way to redeem themselves. That's the situation that creation was in until Jesus came and provided a way back. That grace of God. So, sinful man was, is not allowed to live forever. That's why he kept them out, to keep them from eating of the tree of life. Amen? Now, from what we're reading today in 2 Peter chapter 1, God has invited us back into the garden. Hello? All things pertaining to life and godliness. They were in that garden, in that paradise. Amen? God has invited us back. Didn't Jesus tell the thief on the cross, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise isn't below the earth anymore. Only hell. Used to be separated by a great chasm. Those who had died in sin and unbelief had gone to hell. And across that chasm separating the two was paradise. Where all those who had died believing in the coming Lord had gone prior to Jesus. He went down there and he rescued them. And when he ascended from the grave and went to be with God, he took paradise with him. Amen. Because nobody was going to go into heaven before Jesus, you see. <laughs> he had to put that blood on the mercy seat 
Y'all with me today? I'm just talking to you. What I'm saying is those same angels who were set there at the garden entrance to keep man out are now inviting us in and protecting us. And we're entitled to everything of the garden. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. All the promises of God and Christ are yes and amen. Now what about that one tree? What about that one tree though? That they were protecting them from. Now. We're invited to partake of the tree of life as well. Because we've been redeemed. Jesse Duplantis said he went to heaven. He was taken up in a vision. And he was there with the Lord. And he said all around the throne of God. All these children. That had died to abortion. He says it was awesome. They're all just all around. And they're all saying, I want to be a redeemed spirit. I want to be a redeemed spirit. Inviting us back in. Into the garden. Now, all we have to do is go and discover what's there. Every need is already met. All the provision for everything we'll ever need. But Adam had to go and discover things, you know. He had to go and he gave everything a name, didn't he? We have to go and discover as well. We have to expand our knowledge of the garden. Of the paradise that God has opened up to us again. Proverbs 3.18 says that the word of God, the wisdom of God that comes through this is tree of life. Here's your tree of life. Take and eat. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if According to the scripture, our faith is essential, essential ingredient to life and godliness. Amen. Without it, we're not even invited into this conversation, right? But Peter did invite us. And according to the scripture, faith is based upon the knowledge of God. And God is very upset that his people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Oh, I didn't finish my thought in Hosea 4, 6. You don't have to go back there. I will want to show you what I was talking about so you don't beat yourself up. Although God was taking it out on the people. He was really directing this. He said, hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel or children of the church. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love 
These are things that he wants very much for us to operate in, to walk in in strength and, and confidence, faithfulness and steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. How about those 60 million since Roe versus Wade? Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend, and let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. Starts right here. The blame is here, in the pulpit. Now, mind you, of course, people are doing what Paul said they would do in these end times. People would travel around seeking teachers who would speak to the itching ears and tell them what they want to hear. You know, you you go far enough, you can find a church who agrees with whatever, whatever lifestyle you choose. But God doesn't change. That's why the children of God need to be protected from the tares that are within the church. And I love the church. And I love all that work so hard to proclaim the gospel. It's not an easy job. And it's much harder if you try to do it in your own strength. So God help us, any of us to try to do it in our own strength. Without the anointing of God. But there are some that don't belong to him. And there are many others who are not in their calling. And there are many anointed leaders who have been relegated to glorified administrators instead of preaching the good news that they're supposed to with boldness and not be let the fear of man dictate what their sermon says, you know. But God is saying my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. They don't know me. My contention is with you, O priest. You shall stumble by day. The prophet also shall stumble with you by night. And I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Then we get back to that, that scripture that everyone's familiar with. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. You see? So he, he was... Angry with the people, but he was really saying it's the priest's fault. And that's kind of how it is in the household. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, your wife, she'll answer to God. But God holds a, a higher burden on that man. He considers you the priest of your household. I asked my friend, I said, you, you know, you lay hands on your wife. You cover her. You bless her. You, you speak healing over her. You, you speak wholeness and restoration, peace. He's invited us into the, the garden and He's provided everything that we'll need. Beloved, is. My desire that you be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. That's what God says. 
There's a direct correlation. Our soul, our mind, our will and emotions needs to prosper in the things and the truth and the ways of God and agree with God. And every part of us, every part of our life will prosper. Faith is that necessary ingredient, that key ingredient. And faith doesn't come, though, through the laying on of hands. Faith doesn't come through prayer. All those things are good. But faith comes through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen. So, there's a degree of spiritual laziness that has to be overcome just like everything else that we struggle with in life. <laughs> you know, I've lost 17 pounds. Thank God, I got a ways to go. <laughs> but that's my fault. It got there, you know. But, just like that takes a little discipline. It's necessary though, you know. And uh, there's, there's all sorts of things in the spiritual realm that we need to exercise as well. So we need to learn how to grow in, in, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through knowledge of Him. And we need to acquire a stronger faith which comes through reading our Bibles and being led by the Holy Spirit. Every time you open this book, you ought to say, Holy Spirit, turn the lights on for me. You know, because there are very educated people who can tell you a lot more than we, any of us know about this book, about the words in this book, and they don't know him. And they're frustrated. So frustrated. It makes them angry. And they, then they decide that it's just a stupid book. You know, written by men about God. And it's no longer relevant. They, they come up with all sorts of things. Because to them it's the, the secrets, the mysteries, the blessings and promises. It's all locked up. Hidden from them. But hidden for you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit... He will help you to read this book and to see God and, and to hear God in it. And He'll help you to allow this book to read you. And to, you to cast off everything that doesn't line up until glory to glory you will begin to reflect the image of Christ through, through the words and the truth in this book through studying the Scriptures. Amen? Jesus said in John 8, and I'm done here. Familiar passage of Scripture, John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You see that? God didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. A disciplined one. A learner. A studier of Jesus. This is John. The Gospel of John. Chapter 8. Verse 31. If you abide in my word. You are truly my disciples. Remain to, 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 to study. To 
walk in the knowledge of the word, to agree with his word, to live his word. Amen. Then you're truly my disciple. And then what? Verse 32, you will know the truth. There's that knowledge again. Jesus is the truth. And the words in this book are truth. My words are true. And they are life. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. There's only one truth, and that's God's truth. Now, there's a, there's a truth that man says is true, but those facts change all the time, don't they? They'll learn something else, and oh, okay, well, we thought this at one time, but now we know this. No, you, you just, <laughs> you think you know that, but there's only the truth that's found in God's Word. This is the only thing that's going to remain when all this is gone. So faith and victory are found through Jesus, through the knowledge of the truth. Amen. So, having said that, I think that it's only intelligent to all agree here today that We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To grow and strengthen our faith. And to walk in all of the provision and promises of God that He has provided for us. Already established, already there, just waiting for us to go. Eat from the trees of all the good things that He's provided in this garden of paradise that He has invited us back into. And the thing that he withheld from that corrupted, sinful man, the tree of life, he's invited us to partake of that as well. Now, we have eternal life. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life. Jesus speaking, that they know you, Father, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There it is again, knowing him. Knowing Him, having a passionate relationship with Him. I know some people that are just, they act like they're just in love with Jesus. Crazy about Jesus. They just adore Jesus. If you ask them, but they don't know anything about the truth of God's Word. Now, if we go by the Word and look at John 8, 31 and 32 right there, it says... If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. In other words, then you really know me. Didn't he say a lot of people on that last day are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I, and they say, didn't we, didn't we do many mighty works in your name? These are people who were out there serving. In the name of Jesus. He says, I never knew you. I never knew you. So, based on what the Word teaches us, we need to find out. You know, I, there's, a, there's a scripture, uh, Ephesians 5.10, I call it the five and nine. Find out what pleases God. That's all it says. Just the fact that it asks us to do it tells us that it's a, there's a possibility that we can. 
God's secret, God's mystery was Jesus. And now he's been revealed to us. And all of you who know him have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Everything that was hidden is here now for you. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside this paraclete of God, this one who comes alongside and assists you to help you. He's the one who's here to lead and guide and protect us. He's the one, if you've got to know the truth, that he's the innkeeper. Jesus was that good Samaritan. And he came and found you along the roadside, badly beaten and left for dead by the devil. And he cleaned you up and he took you. He cared for you and he took you and he left you in the care of the innkeeper. And he said to to give you and to take care of you and to give you whatever you need until he returned. He said, and if there's any more owed, I'll give it. You're in good hands. He loves you. But you need to believe it and receive it. And study the word. Agree with it. Live it. Love it. And he will, you will never outgive God. You take one step toward him, he'll run three towards you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for explaining to us how you've provided for everything that we need. It's already done. Already there for the taking. Help us to discover these things, these precious promises, the trees of life and love and liberty that you have planted in the garden of our hearts. Help us to know you better, that we might not be deceived by the liars of this world or the accuser of the brethren. Thank you, Lord, for making us your children, for preparing a place for us, and for providing for everything for this life and godliness, and giving us the faith to reach out and partake of all the things that we hope for through you, in you. In Jesus' name, amen.